Welcome back to another episode of The Hillary Show. You guys, back in the 90s, country music singer Toby Keith wrote a great song called Shoulda Been a Cowboy. And I don't know about you, but by the end of today's podcast with my amazing guest, Courtney Dehoff, I think you might be singing that you should have been a cowgirl. I can't wait for you to give this a listen. And thank you so much to Courtney for being who you are, embracing all sides of the cowgirl, the city girl, the diva, and the girl who's rolling up her sleeves and getting her hands dirty being a cowgirl. Enjoy, everybody. I'm so happy to introduce you to, of course, my co-host, Kami McGrew, but today we've got on a very special guest. Courtney Dehoff is a cowgirl turned television personality. She's a keynote speaker, a podcast host, and she's grabbed the attention of Deadspin, Yahoo, the Huffington Post, Live with Kelly, the CW, and more. In 2020, Dehoff launched the global brand movement, Fancy Lady Cowgirl, after struggling to fit in with the traditional cowgirl mold. Today, she celebrates the best of both worlds through her global lifestyle brand, Fancy Lady Cowgirl. Courtney, I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you for having me. What an intro. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, I love it. We, we bring on the best. And now, how do you and Kami know each other? Oh my gosh. I was literally listening to you read that bio and I was looking at Kami and I was like, wow, we, we go way back. You know, when I was a little girl, I, really when Kami was a little girl, we grew yes. up um, showing cattle together and her dad, Brad was like a second father to me. And I actually, Kami, I'm laughing at the first like memory that came to mind. I have a photo of you somewhere. You're asleep oh, on two yeah. like folded out chairs and the boys, your brothers had duct taped you to the chair. Uh -huh. um, so we, lots of, lots of good yep. memories and we've traveled all over the country together. Yes. So show road. Yeah. All of us are Kansas girls. I also grew up in Kansas and I did not grow up in the ranch scene. I grew up in the middle of a field, but not in the ranch scene. So when I met Kami and she was in this like other realm of like making cows, beautiful calves, beautiful. <laughs> I didn't understand, but you know, like making sure that they have, I, I didn't even know what the standards of beauty were for animals. And it's really hard there. to explain to people what yeah. that life is like. <laughs> It is. And that's what I want to cover some of, because how do you like, is it a profitable, like is showing cattle profitable? And like, I was talking to my husband the other day and he knows through his job in the military, a man who is a prince in a middle Eastern country and he shows goats. And I was like, I didn't know that goats were something you could show, but he would like show goats and make tens of thousands of dollars from showing co goats. So clearly there's this profitable component to perfect animals. Yeah. Well, if you ask my dad, I don't know if he would say my show cattle career was profitable. Um, we just, we just loved it. We had, you know, so much fun. And, and my parents always said, we, you know, I grew up rodeoing, showing cattle. Um, my dad always joked. He's like, well, it cost me an absolute fortune, but I always knew where my kids were, um, you know, because you're always on the road. Like if I wasn't with my dad, I was with Kami's dad, you know, and if I wasn't with one of them, I was probably with her uncle or like, you know, they always knew sort of where we were and it instilled such great values in us, but you can literally show anything, dogs, cats, yeah. horses. I mean, I'm discovering Rabbits. things that you can show. <laughs> yeah. But you know, Kami, I'll let you speak to it. I mean, for someone like your family, it, it is a business and it is a profitable business. Yeah, absolutely. You know, my oldest brother, I'm not, I'm not in the ranching business. Um, you know, Gina and I, my cousin Gina and I joke Courtney, because it's like, 
Courtney is the daughter that my dad and my uncle Greg never had because Gina and I both kind of strayed um, from cattle. But it's something that I look back on very, very fondly. And, you know, I also joke, my mom jokes too, because it's like, we never really went on family vacations. Uh, but I've seen the inside of every show barn there is across yeah. the nation. Uh, but those were those were growing th those were the days growing up in show barns, and you really make connections with people that you normally never would. Um, and that's a part of my life that I'm very, very, very proud of and very fond of. And it's my family's livelihood, you know, mm -hmm. we're ranch and farmers. Yeah, what I love about fancy lady cowgirl is this juxtaposition of two things that one wouldn't think fit together and learning a little bit about your story on your podcast. Um, and people should absolutely go check that out. It's such a fascinating listen to hear, and you're, you are a very engaging storyteller, but I want to, I want you to give people a little bit of a taste about how you are and how you have kind of grappled with the two pieces of you or the many pieces of you that one might not think really fit together with your background, um, being, I almost called you a showgirl because like, you know, but it's like not the Vegas showgirl, right. <laughs> but it's like this background that you have, and then the person who you want to, who you are and bringing that along with you and what that journey has been like. So though the floor yeah. is yours. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, as Kami and I mentioned, you know, we grew up in barns all around the country. Um, I, if I wasn't at a cattle show, I was at a rodeo. And a lot of times my mom would go one way with a trailer. My dad would go one way, you know, a different direction with the trailer. And it, it, I wouldn't trade that livelihood or growing up that way for anything. Um, I went to college to rodeo. I thought I was going to go to the NFR, be a national finals rodeo barrel racer. The NFR is the Super Bowl of rodeo. It's actually kicking off tomorrow. It's 10 days in Las Vegas every year. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to ride horses. I wanted to be, you know, a cowgirl, show cattle, do the whole thing. Um, went to Oklahoma State, found out, did have to get an education, couldn't just rodeo. So I majored in communications, didn't know what I wanted to do, but I was like, I can communicate. I'm sure this will be easy. That will give me more time to rodeo. Um, and I landed an internship my freshman year at a TV station and I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with telling really great stories and I sort of had this serendipitous, like, you know, this is it, this is my calling. This is what I was meant to do. I'm going to be, I'm going to work in television, but I didn't want to just work in television in Stillwater, Oklahoma. I wanted to be on TV in the biggest markets in the country. My dream was to be on TV in New York. My dream was to work in LA, to land a, a network job in places like Dallas, Chicago, you know, these big markets. And I graduated from OSU, immediately landed my first job in Nashville, Tennessee. Hated it, quit, only lasted a year. So I like to always tell people, I'm like, I quit my first big kid job. So like, if you fail at the first one, just keep, you know, just keep going. When I went to find that next TV job, I started reaching out to agents and managers. In television, typically you have to have an agent to get a foot in the door, whether it be at a news station, an entertainment show, whatever. And I was like, okay, I'll get an agent to help me get my next job. Well, you can imagine how many agents wanted to represent um, a 23-year-old who had been you know, in the business for one year and had quit, not very many, but they would watch my tape my demo reel for my first television job, which was at a rural network. I was covering like huge rodeos and places like Calgary and Canada and um, the national finals rodeo. And a lot of times I had a cowboy hat on 
And these agents would watch my, my tape and they would say, well, we're not taking any more clients, which meant we're not interested in helping you. But some of them did give this piece of feedback. They said, what is your goal? I said, I want to be on TV in New York. You know, I want to work in the biggest markets in the country. And they would sort of get silent and they would say, well, we're going to tell you this right now. You need to lose the cowboy hat. If you ever want anyone to take you seriously, if you want the big boys in these big markets, if you want agents, managers to ever consider you as a client, you got to take the cowboy hat off. You need to stop interviewing other people in cowboy hats. Like the boots are cute. I had an agent who said, you know, save them for a country concert on the weekend. And I was young. I was hungry. I wanted to be successful. I had given up, you know, the horses and the showing cattle at that point because I was living in these big cities. I, I really couldn't do both. I couldn't afford to do both. I was making no money. So I believed him. I put the cowboy hat away. I took the cowboy boots off. And my story is that for a decade, 10 years, a little over 10 years, I worked in television and entertainment, everything from hard news to red carpets to, you know, you name it. And I hid that part of who I was, you know, that little girl that grew up in the show barns with Kami, like I didn't tell people about that because I wanted them to take me seriously. And this went on and on and on. And what I discovered is that no matter how big the job was, no matter what network hired me, no matter who the household names sitting on either side of me were co-hosting these shows, like I wasn't any happier. You know, I used to think, oh, when I land this job, I'll be happy. When I make this much money, I'll be happy. When I'm working for this network, I'll finally be satisfied, but it never came. And, you know, with age comes maturity. And I think I started to mature and realize that there was just this huge part of me missing. And I finally, you know, hit 30 when you start to get a little more baldy. And I thought, this sucks. I want to be the, a TV host. I love what I'm doing. It's grueling. It's a hard industry to be in, but I really love telling stories. But I also want to be a cowgirl. Like, why can I not be both? And so on my little old social media page, I didn't have a big following. Um, I just started posting a little bit about these two worlds and how I wanted to be a fancy lady and a cowgirl. And you know, at first it started to grow in the agriculture community. They're like, dang, because I was telling stories about things that were happening in ag that literally my executive producers told me were not newsworthy. So I would stay after work at the network I was working at. I would use their computer and I would edit little stories together and post them on my Facebook. And they started gaining a ton of traction. Some of them had millions and millions of views. So agriculture is eating it up. They're hiring me to come and speak to these ag organizations. I'm like, okay, this is like a foot back into the door towards the cowgirl. But what agriculture didn't realize is that I was living in one of the largest cities in America. They didn't realize that towards the end of these, you know, ag stories, as this all blew up, I was living in New York and I posted a picture on Facebook. I was headed to New York Fashion Week and I was, I wasn't dressed crazy or anything. I've gotten way crazier since then, but I said, headed to New York Fashion Week, you know, I love living in the, I don't even know what the post said. And I had hundreds of messages from the people who had been sharing these ag stories that said, Oh, wait, so you're not even real. Like we thought you were an actual cowgirl. We thought you were, you actually knew what you were talking about. You don't even live in these rural areas that you're advocating for. So they wrote me off. I stopped getting asked to come and speak. I lost hundreds of followers and I was like, what the heck? Like I finally sort of stepped back into my my upbringing and, and what I'm passionate about. But suddenly, because I didn't look the part, because I didn't live the part, they wrote me off. And I had had enough. 
I was so tired of trying to fit into the TV world. And then I was so tired of like, oh, okay, so I, but I've got to be this and do this and look like this to fit into this world. And I was like, I'm done. I'm going to be a fancy lady and a cowgirl. It's not going to look the way you think it's going to look. It's not going to necessarily make sense to everyone. And, and so that's what I did. And the most amazing part of that fancy lady cowgirl sort of evolution, you know, I sort of documented it all on social media is that I discovered I was not an oddball. I thought I was just the one weird kid who grew up showing cattle and rodeoing that decided to like have this Hollywood-esque career. Like I thought I just didn't fit in because I was weird. But what I discovered is that there are women and men, I get a lot of messages from men all across the country who have been made to feel this way. Some of them come from agriculture and have completely left it. Some of them didn't grow up in it and have stepped into agriculture. Some of the people that follow me have nothing to do with agriculture or cowgirls, but they're like, you know what? We don't wear a cowboy hat, but we can relate to not fitting in. Here's our story. And that's the very long version, condensed, but long version of how Fancy Lady Cowgirl was born. And I think that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought that when I was listening to your podcast, Fancy Lady Cowgirl was actually a slight from someone and you took it and really empowered yourself with it. Yeah, I've had all kinds of, you know, oh, the New Yorker. I, I lived in New York for like six months. I wasn't a New Yorker by any means. Oh, the New Yorker is weighing in. Oh, she's just too fancy to really be a real cowgirl. And, you know, when I was a little girl, my mom, one of my mom's best friends that she grew up, you know, ranching with, I'll never forget this. We went to the zoo. My mother would never buy us stuff at the zoo because it was too expensive, right? Like the treat was we got to go to the zoo. But Brenda bought me this like princess hat and it had like these long flowy whatever. And she put it on my head and she goes, now you're a fancy lady. And I just remember being this little girl thinking, oh, I like, I think I like being fancy. Like, I think I like being a little, you know, extra. And so it's just, yeah, it's sort of been this evolution. Like people sort of used the verbiage to make fun of me as I got older, but like, I've always wanted to, to be both. I've always been both of those people, I guess to answer your question. Yeah. Courtney, I remember when, sorry, Hill, I remember watching the evolution of fancy lady cowgirl, because I remember seeing your post, um, about fashion week. And I think you were maybe in a subway in this really fantastic yeah. pink jacket. And I was like, damn court, get it girl. I was like, that's yeah. awesome. Like I want to go to fashion week <laughs> with you. And then I saw the backlash and I was taken back. I was like, these are our people and they are treating her this way. Like you can be both. And then I saw you get spicy and I was like, yes, Court, I am here for this. Do it. And then it's turned into this kind of movement, I would say, amongst the agriculture world. And, you know, I don't, I don't know how, what do you say about non-agriculture people, but it's mm -hmm. kind of been this movement that is, is really beautiful to watch the connection. Um, and you had a, um, kind of a retreat, I guess you would say a couple mm -hmm. months ago. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about that and how it went. Yeah, I, this in October was my second ever um, Fancy Lady Cowgirl event. I, I had the first one last year, never hosted an event in my life. I had no idea what I was doing. And to be really honest, you guys, I like decided to put this event together and I was like, okay, so if nobody comes, like how many friends, like how many of my mom, like how many people do we know, you know, Kami, that I can like bring to this event and, and sold tickets and did the whole thing. And 
the first one sold out in a matter of hours. And I was like, holy cow, like, okay. So people, I guess, are into this. And then did the, did one this, this pat this October, and it was just amazing. And it's, it's essentially just, we did two days, women from all walks of life. There are no requirements other than that. I keep it to all female women from all walks of life. Anyone who has the slightest interest or appreciation, whatever you want to call it for the cowgirl lifestyle, for rural America, anyone who has ever been made to not feel like they fit in to whatever their niche community is, like all are welcome. And I, I put together this really amazing lineup of speakers, you know, from my dear friend, Waylon Lucas, who is one of the most renowned pastry chefs in the world, works in Michelin star restaurants. She's a food network judge. She sort of had a similar story to mine you know, she had it. She was at the pinnacle of success in her kitchens and in her career. And she just woke up one day and was like, I'm a shell of a human to use her words and left. And now she still cooks and still doing amazing things as a cookbook, but like she got some horses, got a little ranch. And, you know, so she has this amazing fancy lady cowgirl story. I had a Olympic figure skater who grew up in Canada. Her, her family was involved in rodeo. She decided she wanted to be a figure skater, ended up being going to the, the Olympics as a Pierce figure skater. But all these women came together to just speak inspiration into the group. Um, and it's also this really incredible opportunity just to network and meet like-minded women. And um, the National Cutting Horse Association came on as my presenting sponsor this year, which was really cool because I'm a big fan of the, the NCHA. And they were like, hey, would you be down if we like brought in some cattle and some horses and some of the best trainers in the world and like put some of your ladies on horses. And I was like, heck yeah, let's do it. So my best friend, Alex was a fashion stylist. She came to the event and spoke. Alex actually was one of the people that, that we chose to ride. She'd never ridden a day in her life. They put her in the pin with cattle. And I, I sort of secretly just thought, well, I guess if she dies, like we've had a good run, you know, and good luck, Alex. Alex. <laughs> yeah. You, but here's the thing. I mean, me and my mom were both like, uh, and the trainers are great. They're professionals. They know what they're doing. Alex loved it. No fear. Absolutely no fear. But it was so fun to see Alex, who has no Western, no rural, no cowgirl background. We got done and she's like, well, I guess I have to buy a horse now. <laughs> and I tell that story because Fancy Lady Cowgirl is also my way of creating a conversation about where we come from what it's like to grow up the way that, you know, you and I grew up, Kami. Like I want everyone in the world to know who we are and what we do because there's no better people. There's no better people in the world than cowboys and cowgirls and farmers and ranchers. And so Fancy Lady Cowgirl, yes, there's fashion. Yes, it's about women empowerment, but it's also a conversation starter. And at the end of the day, that is the main goal with Fancy Lady Cowgirl. I want it to seep into mainstream cultures. You know, I want people in New York and LA and in Europe and wherever to be like, yeah, I'm a Fancy Lady Cowgirl because in the process, they're learning about what it means to be a cowgirl. They're learning what we represent. Um, so yeah, so had my second event. It was amazing, incredible. I'm still tired, but it was great. I wouldn't have changed it for for the world. What do you feel like was one of your biggest breakthrough moments where, you know, you had to make the decision to stop on some level, having someone else's permission to get to spotlight all these different aspects and facets of who you are? You know, I spent, as I said, a decade 
working in television um, from local to eventually syndicated uh, morning television here in Dallas. And I think it was just that realization that I had two choices, right? I could continue in sort of the rat race that I was in, um, or I could finally maybe break free of that a little bit and have something that I had a little bit of control over. You know, that's the hardest thing in television. And, and this is pre 2020, I left, um, you know, I became a contract. So I still do television, but on contract basis only, I left the network in 2017. So this is before COVID before, you know, every single thing you do is regulated, controlled. Every word that comes out of your mouth is prescripted. If you're on this side, if you're on this side, like in my opinion, it is very hard, especially now to find true unbiased journalism. And I was kind of just, I was just tired of it. And um, I think sort of my like aha moment was like, I can, I'm going to be under someone else's thumb for the rest of my life, or I, I have to get brave and just say, no, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do it my way. And, you know, it sounds like this really amazing, beautiful story. Like they canceled the TV show I was on. So I didn't even have a choice, right? They canceled the TV show I was on. I was like, I'm going out on my own. I'm going to do this. You know, and if you look at the story now, you're like, dang, like she's busy. She's booked. She's got fancy lady cowgirl, but I walked dogs for a whole year to pay my rent in Dallas because I wanted to stay in this city because I had easy access to airports. There, there's a lot of big shows and stuff in this area. And I thought, man, I don't want to go home to Kansas. So I walked dogs, you know, but that's the cowgirl mentality, right? You figure it out. And that's, that's what I did. I, um, all of my like former TV co-hosts and like some of the like well-to-do ladies that I knew in Dallas, I propositioned them and I was like, hey, do you have clothes in your closet that you don't wear anymore? I'll put them on Poshmark. I'll take half. You get half. Win-win for everybody. I mean, like I did anything the hustle. to to make money. Yeah, because I wanted to stay. And and I didn't know what was next. Like this Fancy Lady Cowgirl wasn't a thing. You know, Fancy Lady Cowgirl didn't really come to culmination until 2020 because I had finally gotten some TV work built up and then 2020 hit. And that was that, you know, I had landed the dream job in January of 2020 and in March of 2020, she was gone. And so I was like, great, you know, what's next? And, and so I don't know if there was just one moment to answer your question, but it was just sort of that culmination of like, at some point I would like to be able to decide who I am going to be and what I'm going to represent. So I want to go back for, from the dog walk. Um, Hillary, there was something that Courtney did every day on her walk. It was called jogger watch, (laughs) literally just videotaped dudes jogging. Um, and some of it was slow motion and some of it was to music. And that was pretty much the highlight of my pandemic day is watching (laughs) Courtney's jogger watch videos, (laughs) you know, so there's always hope for that. Yeah. God live. Oh, jogger watch. What an interesting, you know, so the pandemic hits a little story behind how that all came to be, um, you know, and we're gyms are closed. Like Dallas is shut down. All we can do is go outside and it's a warm, you know, Dallas is a warm climate. So there's a trail in Dallas. It's pretty famous that everybody sort of, that's where we go. Cause it's all city streets. And I just would be out there every day. And, I, and my thought literally is where have all these men been like what? And so 
whether it's appropriate or not, I just started videoing them. Here's the thing. If you're going to run around half naked, looking like a Greek God, like you're asking for people to look at you. So I don't feel that guilty. And yeah, I just, I called it hashtag jogger watch and I commentated and I put music to it and um, didn't get a husband out of it, which was unfortunate, but here's <laughs> the thing. I loved it. I treated it like a job. It was my reason for getting out of the house during the pandemic, like mental health wise, like I needed that. Right. And so I get up every, I'm like, I'm tired, but I got to go do jogger watch day, but it was getting me outdoors and whatever. And I'm a businesswoman first and foremost, Fancy Lady Cowgirl was sort of just getting warmed up, but my following blew up because of jogger watch. And I thought, you know what? Maybe they're following me for half naked men, but I'm going to teach them about cowgirls while they're here. You know, right. I sort of, that was sort of part of my like strategic. I did as my following grew though, I did stop doing it because the last time I did it, which was maybe, I don't know, two years ago, every single one of them found me. And I was like, mm -mm, now we can't do it nope. anymore. The end nope. of it, it's not anonymous any longer. So like we got to put up with this. But. So the people you were videoing found you. Oh, the, the men, their wives, their girlfriends, their boyfriends, most of them thought it was funny, luckily, but I just, it was just weird. Then it just got weird. So I was like, ah, Jogger Watch. The anonymity has, of it was what bad. was fun. Yeah. Jogger Watch has lived its course, but it served a purpose. It served a purpose. And I love that it was like, <laughs> let's find some way to entertain. And it is yeah. good. Like have a thing to get you out of bed during the pandemic. That was a crazy time. When you think about yourself 10 years ago, what's the advice you, you would give yourself now? To stop worrying what other people think, you know, and I think that's something for everyone listening. You can say, yeah, the older you get, the easier it becomes to just not care. And I'm not saying I don't care what other people think. I absolutely do still do, you know, unfortunately, but I think I was so wrapped up in listening to everything. They were, you know, the TV agents and managers and executive directors, whoever were, were telling me about everything from my appearance, to my weight, to my hair color, to my teeth. I mean, in the world of TV, everybody has a, an opinion about everything. And I think working in that career though, really set me up and prepared me to have the thick skin that I have now, because there are a lot of people still who really don't, they don't, they hate fancy lady cowgirl. You know, they think it's a joke. They think my clothes are stupid. They, you know, think, oh my gosh, that girl could never work a day in her life. Like she, I mean, I have heard some crazy stuff. And, and I think, you know, working in television sort of prepared me to be able to handle that. But I think my biggest piece of advice would be don't waste 10 years of your life trying to be someone that you're not. Because the only person's time that you are wasting is your own. And I look back and just wish that I'd been a little braver, but I had to go through all of that to be where I am today. When you are in your downtime, which sounds like you are a busy woman, what do you do for fun? Oh gosh. It's, I love when people ask that because it's always like this awkward and I'm like, do I do anything for fun? I mean, I do. I still go on very long, lengthy walks in Dallas, you know, growing up on a ranch, I had to learn to adapt when I moved to these cities because I, I, the way Katie and I grew up, you know, we were always outside. You were always outdoors. And so I have to have that like outdoor time. So I love to just like go on walks. I love, um, I love to see shows. I love Broadway. I love theater, things like that. I love to travel, which sounds counterintuitive because all I do is travel, but I love to travel for fun. Um, I'm 
going to Europe at the end of, of December. So I'm excited about that. But I enjoy working on Fancy Lady Cowgirl. You know, for me, that sort of almost is fun. And I enjoy just sort of dreaming about where that can go. And I truly, I truly hope and think that it's, we're just at the very, very bottom. Like we're just getting started. You know, I'm, I see huge things for, for Fancy Lady Cowgirl. So I love to just work on that. I love to ride horses too, when I get the chance. Courtney, something that you've been working on for the past, what, six months to a year is back road cowgirls. Mm. I feel like this is it that like you have planted the seed for this and it is going to blow up. So what's, what's the future for back road cowgirls? We have a very exciting future for, uh, for back road cowgirls. Um, last April, my, one of my dear friends who is a sixth generation uh, rancher from California, she had a layover in Dallas and texted me and she's like, Hey, I got a six hour layover. Are you home? And I was, so I went and picked her up. We had lunch. I took her to an Italian spot. We're drinking wine, which is where all, you know, that's how all great ideas culminate, right. Is over wine. And Kaya was saying, you know, I've always wanted to travel. I've always wanted to travel the U S in a camper van, but my husband's more of like a Marriott guy. And I was like, yeah, you know, I can see that. I, I would like to travel. I'd be down to travel with you. And we're like, hardy hard. Wouldn't that be fun? She's like, what's your dream? I was like, my dream's to have a show. And she goes, me too. I've always wanted to have a show. And I said, I just want to highlight all the incredible people and how diverse they are in agriculture. And she's like, heck yeah. And I looked at her and she looked at me and she was like, let's do it. So this was April. We came up with this grand plan sitting at the table, Kaya flew home and she told her husband, she's like, let me tell Brent because like, he'll give us good, honest feedback. Um, Let me tell Brent and see what he says. And Brent loved the idea. And he's like, my God, you guys, this is a really great idea. I think you and Court have these dynamic personalities. Like this is a really, really great goal for like March of 2023. Cause we had told him, you know, or May of 2023, we're like, yeah, we want to do this in May. And he's like, yeah, you know, take a year, figure it out. We were like, yeah, but no, we meant this May, like as in next month. And, and he was like, oh, okay, good luck with that. We had no money. We did a GoFundMe. We posted it on Instagram. We're like, I don't know if maybe, you know, other people in agriculture would support this. They fully funded this trip. We went for 20 days. We shot 16 episodes. When I say we shot, Courtney dug the camera from her first TV job out, like blew the dust off it, said a prayer, hope she ran. I shot and edited the 16 episodes. Kaya co-produced them with me. Kaya did the interview. She built this beautiful website. And we just both, we were like, let's lean into our strengths. We had a, a photographer who reached out and was like, hey, do you have a photographer for this? And we're like, no, we don't, but we don't have any money. Like, we'd love to have you, but we can't afford you. She's like, don't worry, I'll come. So Shelby Caitlin Photography jumped in the van with us and photographed and just completely elevated the project. But we thought we want to have a TV show on Netflix, HBO, one of the giants. But rather than like flying to LA, banging down doors, trying to get a meeting for them to most likely laugh us out of the room, we're not, we're not doing it. We're going to go the other route. We're going to do it. We're going to produce it. We're going to have a proof of concept. We're going to show them what we can do and then and, and we're going to go that route. And um, we haven't announced it publicly, but we have six more episodes that are waiting to to be posted to our YouTube. It's just a little digital series. Uh, we have a company who has come in and funded a fully 
professionally produced pilot that we will then shop out to the network. So we haven't made the official announcement, but, um, and how that came to be was literally just an email, an email that they sent us, you know, we were already on the trip. I was ignored. I ignored like three emails. I was like, we don't have time. We're busy. And, And Kaya finally answered. And like, so it's this big, long, beautiful story that we'll share at some point, but Um, we're excited. And, you know, the production company that, that we're hiring to do this is a friend of mine. And and it's a, it's a guy that I met working on a project years ago. And I I just loved his work. I loved his vision. And I was like, man, I, someday it'd be so cool to be able to work with Jeremy. And here we are. Here we are. That is so awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Where else can we find you? So I want people to know where you are and all the things. Tell me what this YouTube channel is, all the yeah. stuff. So CourtneyDhoff.com is where sort of everything is housed. My mother spelled my name incorrectly. So it's E. I wasn't going to bring it up, Cindy. I yeah. wasn't going to bring it up. Oh, what was she thinking? It's French because we're not French. Uh, so E-N-A-Y, Courtney Dehoff. But if you type it in, it will come up. But I'm Court Dehoff on Instagram, TikTok. Courtney Dehoff on Facebook and then Backroad Cowgirls is where all of the Backroad Cowgirls content and our story and you can meet the incredible six people that we featured in our first six episodes which are live and available for viewing there. I love it. Courtney, it's been so much fun. It's always so fun just to connect with a couple of Kansas girls because we know what is, we know the life. Um, It's wonderful. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to maybe do another episode in a year when, you know, you're like, get your, whatever it is that whatever is next, I can feel that it's going to be incredible and you're going to reach so many people. So thank you for being all parts of you, fancy and cowgirl. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been so fun. My friends, I hope that was as fun for you as it was for me. I loved getting to know a cowgirl from Kansas. I'm not a cowgirl from Kansas, but I am a redneck from Kansas. So we're basically cousins. Courtney, thank you so much for joining me and Kami. Friends, I hope you have a great rest of your day. I can't wait to see you back here next week. And if you can leave us a review or share this podcast with a friend, that would be fantastic. And I will see you soon. Thank you. Bye, friends.